my beautiful, colorful platers. This is the Colorful Plates Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Medina, and this is another Fresh Produce Outlook. Let's get after it. And you guys know the drill. Up first is our three things segment, and I know I've been missing him. I'm sure you have too. The one and only incomparable Brian Denton is here to give us our three things. Brian, what are our three things for this week? Steven, it's great to be back, and I got to tell you, uh, Gabe did a great job last week. Uh, I appreciate him pinch hitting, but I've got three things, and actually I've got one thing, but we're going to break it into three parts. So we get some great feedback. If you haven't already given us some feedback by either commenting on our podcast or by sending an email to podcast at colorfulplates.co, please do that. We did get this great question. How do I partner effectively with farms or my distributor during menu planning? I know that the the cyclical nature of of a lot of uh, menu planning means that around this time you're actually getting uh, getting ready for the fall and winter season, and you're looking for things that will surprise and delight your customers. So we wanted to in- answer that question of how to partner effectively with farms and distributors uh, during menu planning into three parts. So just. We don't want the creative process of menu planning to be stalled by the realities of the produce industry. Um, But because fall and winter brings on cold temperatures to uh, most of North America, it's going to limit availability. And when we think of fall and winter items like squash, zucchini, cranberries, turnips, sweet potatoes, apples, those are great to have as a centerpiece to your to your menu. But but. My first thing would be understand seasonal and peak availability of fresh produce because other items, whether it's uh, persimmons or kohlrabi, uh, tomatillos or or even Meyer lemons that that uh, those those lemons that combine the best attributes of lemons and oranges and that tart citrus fruit. That's going to be something that you want to understand. And whether you understand it by looking at colorfulplates.co or by talking to your distributor or uh, talking to your growers, what do you have available? Um, that's a great way to start your menu, menu planning. So understand seasonal and peak availability of fresh produce in your area. Second, I would say work with greenhouse growers in in those regions where historical weather patterns are making growing difficult. Greenhouse growers are all over the United States and and Canada. They're doing a great job uh, of keeping things in season that aren't necessarily always in season in those areas. And by working with a distributor who works with greenhouse growers or by working with greenhouse growers themselves, it's a good uh, opportunity for you to to, uh, source items that aren't uh, historically available in in your region. And then third, I would say lean on your distributor for consultative services. Don't be afraid to ask uh, that they that they come in and partner with you during that time. I think a good produce distributor will often have a chef on staff or they're hiring chefs as their account representatives. And so talk to your produce distributor and say, hey, I want some of your time uh, to better understand as I go into this fall and winter season, the kinds of things that might be available. And if you don't have a distributor uh, that has a chef on staff or that that provides those kinds of consultative services, find a distributor that will do that, that will partner with you in that way. It's It's a recipe for success if you can look ahead with your distributor and they can help you to understand uh, the best way to source. So answer the question of, of, of how to partner effectively, understand seasonal and peak availability of fresh produce. Second, work with greenhouse growers. And third, lean on that distributor for the consultative services. Come right out and ask them to partner with you. We are switching you to decaf, sir, but that was informative. Thank you so much for sharing our three things for the week. Now let's transition over to our transitions, peaks, and alert section, giving you just an inside look on what's going on this week that you should know about. 
We want to let you know that as we reported before, avocados are still having a hard go, but um, there is hope on the horizon. Mexico is slowly starting up with their new crop and Peru is definitely providing um, some relief uh, from the California heat that's just hit that crop pretty hard. Um, so we should see some relief, but um, avocados are still pretty tight right now as uh, the heat waves are still just um, hitting Southern California pretty tough. And if you've been listening along uh, to the podcast for the last couple of weeks, we've mentioned strawberries and just the heat, how it's affecting that crop as well. Um, well, the good news is, is strawberries and quality seems to be improving. Um, the heat has dropped a little bit, and so it's a little cooler. Um, there is still some bruising that's present, but overall, strawberry quality is improving. You should see better fruit coming out of the fields in the next couple of weeks. And right now, melons are a great thing to throw on the menu. They are in their peak season. This is the best time uh, to put those on the menu. They have a great bricks level, which is just that sugar content. It's going to be really high, so that makes for a real sweet honeydew, cantaloupes. Um, so if they're not on your menu, talk to your distributor, get, get some in your kitchens and put them on your menu, because right now is the best time um, to promote those. And lastly, there are some items on the move, some uh, growing regions that are transitioning. Uh, the big one we want to tell you about this week is onions. So earlier this week, we jumped on the phone with Brad Watson from J.C. Watson uh, in Parma, Idaho, to tell us a little bit more about harvesting, uh, cooling, and what it takes to, to make a great onion. Tell me a little bit about uh, what's going on with onions right now and just the, the outlook for the next couple weeks. Uh, right now, we're in transition from um, summer onions which are typically shipped out of uh, California and New Mexico this time of year. And so we're kind of in the overlap season where those two growing regions are finishing up and we're starting to get into Northwest onions, which would be out of our area, out of the Idaho, Oregon, uh, Snake River Valley. And then also um, another region would be the Columbia Basin out of Washington. So that we're in transitional overlap shipping out of both areas. And is there a big difference between the onions that come out of those areas and the onions that are that are in California? Um, right now, the, the onion types are pretty similar. But as we in the Northwest get into storage onions, that's where you'll see the big difference between summer non-storage onions and storage onions. But right now, a lot of the varieties are similar to what they're finishing up with in, say, California um, and what we're harvesting right now. But by the time we get into September, we'll be into more full-skin storage uh, field-cured onions as our temperatures moderate and we transition into longer day-length onions. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about what that means uh, for, for the layman terms and people like me who don't understand the difference between like a uh, storage crop onion versus, uh, versus some of the other ones. Yeah. So a summer onion, well, it's grown in the summer. The day-length is shorter, meaning it typically matures sooner than a storage onion or that it's grown when the days are typically shorter, meaning planted earlier in the spring, um, as opposed to our storage onions, which are typically planted later in the spring and the days are longer. Um, and a summer onion or non-storage onion means it's typically we're harvesting when it's hot, we're kind of taking them out of the field relatively quickly when they're done growing, conditioning them with air, potentially pre-cooling them because our temperatures are hot either in California or where we're at here, packing them and then shipping them. So we may have you know, a week of of raw product inventory versus in a storage scenario. We're harvesting those onions later in September. Our temperatures are a lot cooler. And we typically let those onions, what we call field cure, um, out in the field. And they will dry and, and the tops will completely dehydrate. And then we will cure those onions and then put them into storage where they'll be for, you know, up to eight months, um, where we will then pull those out of storage, grade them, pack them, and then ship them out to customers. And what that really means is there's going to be fuller skin on a storage onion because they've dried and spent more of a, what we call a paper or that outer finished skin just due to how they're harvested when the, when the temperatures are cooler in our fall main harvest season. 
That's that's great. It's really informative to just kind of how um, simply a, a temperature and, and a growing period or a growing region can definitely change that. We've been harping on like how important um, weather is and what a vital role it plays, both hot and cold, and, and how um, how instrumental that can be in how produce um, is grown, harvested, and then stored. And um, I know that you guys have been hitting some record temps um, right now, and that you're you're trying some new things in order to kind of combat some of those uh, those record temps. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and, um, this year we added a, a cooling system on our packed product floor, which um, is really helping us down with how hot it is. We're a few days, maybe five days earlier than normal in terms of our startup and ramp-up of our season here in the Idaho, Oregon area. And with that, I mean, being ready earlier, the temperatures are also higher. So having that ability to cool our packed product floor and, and get those onions colder as we load them on trucks really helps shelf life and transit issues that can arise shipping a hot onion out of the field. And so that's a new tool that we have this year to address those those temps. And um, the other thing we're doing this time of year, which we're pretty adamant about, is we, we start harvest very early in the morning when it's cool before before the sun is even up. And then we basically dictate our harvest based on the, the, the pulp temperature of the onion. So as that, that pulp temperature gets up, regardless of the day or, or where our tonnage is at, we're, we're stopping and uh, allowing us to bring in a cooler onion into our bin to be processed. Because with an onion, when, when they absorb radiant heat when they're out in the field, so even if it's 100 degrees uh, ambient temperature outside, those onions you know can heat up like a hot car, particularly red onions. So we, you can get 100-degree ambient can generate a, um, an onion uh, pulp temperature of 140, 150 degrees very easily. And so when you bring those high-temperature onions in, put them into a bin or handle them, they're very susceptible to damage, heat stress and decay, and a whole slew of other bad things that can happen to them and, and deteriorated shelf life. Because it's very hard to get, even with forced cooling, it's very hard to get that temperature out of the onion once you bring them in to the warehouse. And where our cool nights are here at our relatively high desert elevations, those temperatures go away very go away very fast in the evenings when we're getting down to say 60 degrees. We may have a high of 102, but we have a low of 60. Those onions will cool a lot better in the ground than they will in our warehouse. So we try to start harvest at about 5 a.m. on these really hot early days, and then we're typically shutting off by 10 or 11 before the ambient temperature is up, you know, around 85, and, and we're we're pretty much done for the day. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, uh, the same thing we've been talking about, that weather just plays such a, a critical role. And, and it sounds like what you guys are doing is making sure that regardless of how many onions you've actually pulled, that you're doing what's best for the end product. Because pulling uh, onions early or too too late potentially could cause um, issues down the road, which just leaves you with a subpar product. Yeah, yeah. My dad and grandfather always like to say that uh, you got to listen to the onion, not necessarily to you all the time. So That's good. I like that. Well, perfect. Thank, thank you for sharing um, a little bit about what's going on. Um, last thing before I let you go, um, what's the outlook for the next um, the next three months of onions? Well, we're gonna, you know, we're, we're just ramping up our Northwest early season, and we'll be on that non-storage onions into September, and then we'll transition into uh, storage onions and filling our storages for the remainder of the winter season. Crop looks very good. Quite a bit earlier than last year, which was a very late crop. So on the calendar, our onions are maturing sooner, um, sizing up sooner. Um, so I think we'll have really high yields this year. We have very good growing conditions throughout our growing season. So I think yields will be high, and it will just be a question of how we manage Mother Nature in this heat that's a little bit abnormal this time of year. But other than that, I think we would expect a very 
a very good crop going into storage over the next two to three months. Yeah, it sounds like you're doing everything you can to make sure you continue to have such a great product. Uh, Brad, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. All right, folks, that about wraps it up. You did it. You made it through another episode of This Voice. So thank you for sticking around. Uh, we want to thank everyone who made this podcast possible and really want to say thank you again to Brad for taking the time to tell us a little bit about onions and Brian Denton for joining us again for our three things segment. Thank you to him and all the fine folks at ProAct. That's going to about do it for us here at the Colorful Plates podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just remember, if you haven't yet, visit colorfulplates.co. Everything we talk about here and more is available on that website. Tips, tricks, uh, interviews, recipes, everything for the chef and the culinary professional in mind. Um, colorfulplates.co. Check it out. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you click that subscribe button so you can just stay up to date with the podcast. You'll be alerted when new episodes drop, so you're always in the loop about what's going on in the produce industry. When we do chef interviews or new products with our supplier community, uh, you'll want to know about that. So click that subscribe button and you can stay up to date with us uh, and be in the loop. All right, that's it. I am Steven Medina. This has been another episode of the Colorful Plates podcast. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you soon. Stay fresh. Stay fresh.